Because he was like, it's cool. What, I mean, he's probably 102, 103. He's like, it's cool. It's like, if they got it, they're getting it already. So, so I went to pick up. Then what are we going to do? I don't know, but that wasn't going to be his concern. Oh, man. Anyway. Oh, yeah. That'll work. Right in the Okay, guys, let's get started. Well, this morning y'all got the scout team for worship. I'll be preaching at Cole's Leeds and singing, so. <laughs> I don't know if that's all right or not, but I'm, I call it the scout team or the B team. You know, the reserves. You know, they call it, well, they call it up the reserves. So, anyway. Uh, no, I was supposed to preach already anyway, so. But, we, but all of our song leaders went, and they're gone. We have four song leaders, and every one of them is gone. So, so, so we had no choice. So, but anyway, of course, we got a backup plan. We'll just do it off. We'll just do it online. You know, we just lead some songs online if we have to. So, not a big deal. But, so anyway, uh, we're going to be in First Peter this morning, chapter one. If you want to get turn it over there, if you're watching us online, we're extremely grateful to have you. Uh, for those you don't know, we live stream this class on Sunday morning. It's out, going out right now as we speak. Uh, of course, we're going to we're looking to get some different cameras, and if we do, the whole room is going to be on camera. It won't just be Kale and Blythe and right here. It'll be the whole room will be on camera. And they'll be and they'll be able to they'll be able to hear better too. They'll be able to hear what you're saying because the, the, the audio is gonna be a lot better. So but that's down the road. We'll see how that works. Uh, everything's good. I think everything's going well, I think. Uh, Jim's back. So you know, that's a, that's a good thing. And uh I don't know of anything else. I don't know of anything that's crushing or, or going on bad. So we'll uh, we'll pray and we'll get started. Anybody know of anything that, that I don't know about? That's what I figured. Nope, don't know it. So we'll uh, we'll go ahead and get started and, and uh, we'll pray and get started. All right, let's pray. 
Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be here this morning, to be part of your family, to be uh, a, to be chosen by you from the beginning of time through the family, uh, not as individuals, but as a family, as, a, as the church. Uh, we are extremely grateful, Father. Help us to understand, help us to relate, help us, Father, to be, uh, to be mindful always of the things that you require of us so that we can apply them to our lives, so that we can be the very best we can be. Father, we know that like children and like a father to his children, you have our best interests at heart and you want us to grow and to, and to be nurtured and to, and to get better. And I pray, Father, that you will help us to learn those things this morning as we study and as we worship this morning. Thank you for the opportunity. Bless those of our number who are, who are traveling. We've got a number that are out and not feeling well. And we just pray, Father, that you be with each one of them in each particular circumstance and help them, Father, as they, as they get through this part of their life. Bless us, Father. Encourage us. Lift us up. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Like I said, we're going to be in First Peter chapter 1. Come on in, guys. Like I've been telling you from the very beginning, First Peter and Second Peter are like a survival manual. They're a survival manual for those Christians who are in trouble, who are struggling with situations in their life. And we've looked at a couple of things so far that, that, uh, that we, can, we can connect with when we get in those situations in our lives. And if you're not going through one, you, you have gone through one, or you will go through one. Some kind of struggle, some kind of strife, some kind of trial that's going to test you and, 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 and test your faith, test your very essence of your being. And so this is a survival matter. This tells you this, this is what I have. I have a relationship with God. I have the Holy Spirit living in me. I have uh, get, been given access to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ. I have these things that I can connect back to and I can say, when times get really tough and I need you to remind me, remind me that I have a living hope. Remind me that I have the Holy Spirit. Remind me that I have those things, okay? Because this salvation is that important. That's what we're going to look at this morning. How important is that salvation to you? How important is the struggles that you go through getting you to that place where he's talking about? So, you know, we're going to look at, at verse 6 and 7 first. Uh, and, then, and then we'll go, uh, we'll go to verse 8 and 9. But I want to look at verse 6 and 7 first. It's that he says, uh, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. In the, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater work than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. All right, I've got a couple of things I want to talk about right here. First off, how, how has your faith been tested through your life by trials? Has that ever happened in your life that you can connect with and say, here I had a trial and this really tested my faith? How did that happen? And what, what happened in that situation? He says in verse 6, he said, these trials have come to test your faith. James chapter 1 says what? Verse 2 says what? Joy. Consider it pure joy when you face trials and tribulations of various kinds because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Where are these things coming from? Who's doing them in your life? And what's he doing them for? What's the reason? When you, when you have children, many of you have little children. Some of us have, have big children that act like little children. But, you know, we have you have children. And so how do you... What do you do in their life? Are you doing what you do as far as discipline to harm them or to help them to grow up? 
and to get better. To help them get better. To make them, to nurture them and mature them. You know, the, a parent's job is, is, to, is to train your children to go. To train your children to go to the next step. That's your job. Your job is not to train them to stay at home. Your job is to train them to go. To nurture them and give them everything they need. God's looking at this and said, He said, these have come to prove the genuineness of your faith. What does that mean to you? What does it mean, the genuineness of your faith? That you're, a faith untested is not faith at all. It's no faith at all. Faith not tested is no faith at all. Okay, you understand? You agree with that? A faith not tested is no faith at all. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So what does that mean? What does it mean to prove that? Look at what he says again. Look at back at verse 7. He said, uh, In thee all these you greatly rejoice, now for a little while you may have suffered grief and all kinds of trouble. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith that your faith is not fake, that your faith is real, that it stands for something, it's strong, that it, that it has, its, it has its, its whole essence in something that you can't control, you can't see, all right? Little children, how many of you know little children have a tremendous amount of faith in their family and their parents? Right? Why? Why is that faith so strong in mom and daddy or in their family unit? Why is it so strong? They depend on them for everything. They depend on them. But what? when they depend on them for something, they may not even know what they're depending on them for, and it comes to fruition. All right? I'm hungry today, and Mama and Daddy provided what I need. And it happens every single day. At some point, they look around and say, I, can, I know that I'm, when I'm hungry, I'm going to get fed. And that they turned into a reality in their life. I know I can trust them for this. Right? Now they become teenagers and I lose all that. You know, just the way it works. You know, but then they come back to it later on. You know, the, the point here is, what is God doing when these trials come and you haven't even told me yet what some of them are? What were some of the trials that you've gone through, the testing of your faith, the, the, the validity of your faith? Anyone that has faith okay. is going to be tested. Okay. It's a given. Let me stop you right there, just for a minute, and then I'll then continue. Understand what faith is, guys. You know what it is? Trust. It's believing in something so strong that it causes you to act upon that belief. If you don't act upon the belief, then you don't really believe it. But if you believe in it so strong that it causes you to act upon that belief, then that's faith. Okay? Now, go ahead. Say what you say. You know, that, that we've all been tested, right? Right. And it proves genuine proves valid, proves it's real in our life. How many of you have gone through those kinds of testing in your life, and what 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 were some of them? Yeah, Claire. Zachariah was in the hospital. When Zachariah was in the hospital. Y'all remember that? A little scene? Yeah. So many people praying and praying for us, with us. I mean, it was just... He was a little bitty boy that got <laughs> beat almost to death. Okay. Y'all remember that? Got beat almost to death. The guy went to jail, went to prison. He survived and doing well, right? But there for a while, there for a while, and there was all kinds of emotions that came in that, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Fear, anger, rage, you know, I want to get even. All of those kind of things. That happened for many of us who weren't even in, in that room watching yeah. that. You know, what else? What's a, what's a faith, I mean, a trial that you've gone through that develop faith. Vincent? 
death of my first son. You know, he had cancer, and four years later, I mean, he was gone. Yeah, that's tough. I remember yeah. that. That was tough. I mean, was... we prayed for him here, but it, it was God's will. So. Yeah. But he did. He did last four years. He did. You know. I mean, you see what I'm talking. And that when you when you connect that to God, and you say, "I know God had a plan." When you there are many people who say, "Well, well, I, I'm never going to love a God that would kill a child." I've I've had people tell me that. I'm never going to be. I'm never going to believe in a God that has that kind of mindset. Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say just raising children. Just raising children. I mean, you get, there's certain periods that you're just like, am I going to get through this? Yeah. And then you just say, God, if you pray constantly, I mean, I, I think sometimes it's all that gets you through. I, I've talked to people who have lost their jobs. People have, have had death in their families. Uh, people who have been divorced. I have seen the trauma of it. And I've seen people come through on the other side and not do well with it. I've seen them, I've seen them crash and burn. I've seen them crash into a place where you can't, can't even get them out. Can't dig them out of the hole that they crashed into, and they won't let you. And they and they and they're gone, gone because because they they just just consumed them, and they could not accept the fact that this was happening for some kind of reason. In their life. Yes, go ahead. So on that 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 matter, I've seen the difference between those who hold strong in their faith mm -hmm. and how they go through the trial, mm -hmm. and those who abandon faith. Yeah. And what the difference is there? Yeah, you know, I think about my situation where when when I lost my father, it was all of a sudden, you know, no no time to prepare for it or anything like yeah. that. But I held strong to my faith, and because of that, my family is stronger now because of it. Yeah. But then I also think of other people that I know that have lost family members, and they have secluded themselves. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. And have abandoned. Yeah. You know, yeah, that that kind of faith, and yeah. it, it's just it's all consuming them at this point. Yeah, Tim, this like when my son passed away, and all of y'all came to the house to help me because my family was more interested in helping my ex-wife. Y'all were so wonderful. Just having the faith that I'm going to see him again one day and trying to live as a Christian and not look at all bad stuff. Yeah. It, you know, just, it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, I, I mean, I got faith. There's an Old Testament is full of examples of people who struggle with their faith and struggled and came out on the other side in a good place. You know, Joe. David, Daniel, I, Elijah, you know, these guys struggle with their faith. They struggle to understand what is it that's going on here. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. So I want to, I want to get on to Look at what he says at the end of verse 7. He said, he says, even though refined by faith, he said, this faith, this genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, gold will burn up at some point. God's going to make sure of that. It's going to be gone. He said, he said, though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end of your result, the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. What is the promise here? You go through these trials. God proves the genuineness of your faith, 
and it gets stronger and stronger. And it makes it more and more difficult for Satan to get a foot in the door because now you're stronger than you were before. And the next one will make, you know, I mean, I've told you all last week, I mean, we've lost a lot of children in our family. Okay? And it made us strong. I didn't see it coming, but it made us strong. So when it, when it really was catastrophic, we were able to deal with it. And we were able to help other people deal with their stuff. And that's, and that's because of God. It's not because of us. That's because of God. We're no different than anybody else. We're just a family that God having to pick out and say, hey, I'll, I'll put this in their lap. He must have known something about, about you when you struggled through that situation. He knew something that was going on in you that none of the rest of us maybe saw. And God he says, tests us all the time. Huh? God tests you all Absolutely. the time. Absolutely. Because anybody can say, I believe, I believe. Mm -hmm. Okay, Sid, prove it. Let's yeah. see how you do with this. Yeah. And that happens. I remember praying for patience. I said, man, I need to be more patient. And God burnt my building down. Almost killed me in that building. And I go, well, I'm not praying for that. Anymore. That's probably not a good idea. You know, I don't like it when he shows up. And I, and I, could, tell you, I could tell you things that happened in that fire that, that I know that he was there. And absolutely know he was there because of some things that happened and, and some things I found afterwards. So I know he was there. And I'm going... Got the message. I got the message. You know, I can... But he, how did I know that he was preparing me for this? To deal with this? Where you have to be patient. You have to be long-suffering to deal with that with that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I look at this and I say, you know, God knows exactly what he's doing in our lives. He knew what he was doing in Job's life. He knew what he was doing in Daniel's life. He knew what he was doing in Elijah's life. He knew what he was doing in these people's lives. And it took him a while sometimes to get a grip on it. You know, I mean, I mean, Job has a lot of stuff going against him, okay? Da David, David is a, you know, he's got a lot of stuff going against him. He really does. I mean, he's got some, he's got some real issues in his personality. I mean, he's a good guy, but he's got some real issues in his personality. When you start studying him, and Elijah just consumed at some point, he gets consumed with himself, what happens to him. But, you know, when you look at this, he said, he said, I don't see him now. You know, it's, it, when you believe in something you can't see, you know, every one of us has gone through those things where we believe in something we can't see. You know, I believe that God created the heavens and the earth. I believe that. I can't prove it. I can't prove it. I'm not. I'm not a scientist or anything. I just believe it. I look at the at the evidence, the elementary evidence that I can I can go to get in my head, and I believe it. I believe that Jesus is real. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe that Jesus raised on the third day. I believe all of that stuff. And I believe it's strong enough for, for me to walk a walk in this life that God calls me to walk. I believe it that's strong. Now, it didn't happen overnight. It took a lot of time. You, know, you believe it that strong, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, but it didn't happen overnight. You and I were baptized pretty close together in the same kind of, in that same year, same era. And, and it, didn't, it didn't happen overnight for us. It took a lot of issues. We've had children issues and we've had family issues, and we've had personal issues. We had all kinds of that stuff, didn't we, sure. in our lives? And it grew us and made us stronger made it, and grew us into who we are today. And so I look at this and I say, you know, I mean, I mean, I have, uh, when you look at this and you say, for you're receiving the end result of your faith, is the end result of your faith the salvation of your soul? Is that what you look forward to? Is that what you're looking forward to? You know, I, I, I'm just going to tell you, there are people that are going to come to church today, not just not here so much, but they're going to come to church today somewhere. 
Alright? And they're going to go to church somewhere. And they're going to die and go to hell. I don't know who they are. I have no idea. But I know just because you come to church on Sunday morning does not mean you're going to heaven. Alright? There has to be work involved. You have to, you have to work you know, in on this. You have to do your part to get this done in your life. God's doing His part. He's striving to grow you up. He's striving to test you. He's striving to teach you what it means to be connected to Him. He's striving to do that. You know, and sometimes I look at it and I think, you know, some of us don't, we don't really hold our salvation in high regard. Do you think that's true? I think many times people look at salvation and it's kind of an afterthought. You know, I mean, and I wrote down a, a thing here, you know, uh, you know, the, the, I'm asking, why is your salvation so important to you? Why is it so important? Why is the salvation of your soul so important to you? You're going to spend eternity somewhere. There's a lot of people that don't believe that. Well, there's a lot of people that don't believe that. That's it. Well, I know that, but you, there's a lot of people that, that are teaching our children in colleges and places that that's not true. That that's, that's nonsense. But if you believe it all, you're going to want to go to the right place. Mm -hmm. And if you study it all, you know what the other place is like. And uh, anybody with any kind of common sense is definitely going to make an effort at some point. You may not <coughs> do what you should, but they're going to make an effort at some point. Great. I believe that there are people right now who are living in hell. Mm -hmm. And that, and then, but the difference for people of faith is that we can have our heaven on earth mm -hmm. because we know that we will be saved. Yeah. Well, he tells us that. Yeah. In Ephesians chapter 1, he says, he said, I'm going to give you the down payment of your salvation. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, which is a down payment. It's an earnest guaranteeing your salvation. So if I, that's what he said. He said, I have this working through the Holy Spirit in my life. So I have the Holy Spirit working in me. It's a down payment guaranteeing my salvation. That's in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. So I have that already. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's different for us when we're really strong in our faith and we look at a situation and say, you know what? Thank you, Lord. I, I said that in the hospital. I said, I said this is going to be a hoot. This is going to be fun. I don't know exactly how it's going to be fun, but it's going to be fun because I'm going to get to learn a different aspect to my life than I ever knew I existed before. And I'm going to get to grow from this. And that's going to be fun to, to, to experience that. Especially I'm going to get to experience it with her. That's going to be a. That's going to be fun. Yeah. And also, just think of the people that you have helped through these trials in your life. Mm -hmm. But just like. But I've learned it from you. Well, but like Tim looked at me. If you hadn't had that experience, you would not know no, what that's you're like. Right. But we we do learn this genuineness of faith. Sometimes he tests us, and sometimes the people that are learning and growing from it is the people around us. Maybe not just us. I've watched you watched. deal with Sid. You know, and I've and I've watched how you dealt with that situation, and look where y'all are now. Took a lot on her part. That took a lot of times. Well, of course, but it takes a lot on anybody's part. All I'm saying, guys, is this salvation that we have guaranteed to us. This is not going to be forever. One day, it's going to be over. They can say whatever they want out there. I don't care what they say. They can say, "Well, this is not real. This is not true." They can take the book and say, "Well, it says this over here." Yeah, fine. Let's sit down together, and I'll talk to you about it. Let's talk about this, what it said, and I'll show you where you're wrong. But look at what he, he said. The salvation of your soul is what's so important. And I want to know, why is it so important to you? Because the alternative stinks. Okay? 
The alternative stinks, guys. Going the other place is not an option. It can't be an option. That's why we do what we do. That's why we live the way we live. And that's why we teach the way we teach. Because the alternative stinks. And you say, well, I don't really believe in hell. Fine. I don't care what you believe. doesn't matter. You'll figure that out when you wake up after that last breath is taken. You'll figure it out. And it probably will be a shock to you. Because I believe what this book says. And I believe the book says it is real. It's a real place with real punishment. And it's going to be catastrophic. You know, we can't. There are people, you're right, living a hell on earth. But it is nothing compared to what it's going to be like after, after the fact. That's why I'm looking at it and saying, wow, man, I can't wait to get there. I don't, I don't care if I'm the last guy in, they shut the door behind me and it clips my heels. I don't care. As long as I'm inside and not outside. That's all I want. Yes, sir. That may be true in some instances. You know, I mean, I've not gone through anything even close to what I would consider a hell on earth. I've not gone through that. I've been very fortunate not to have to go through that. I've gone through some struggles in my life, but I wouldn't say they were like hell on earth. You know, when I read about hell and what hell is going to be like and what punishment, you know, a, a perfect God has to punish. He, ha he has no choice. He has to. We make him do that. He, we make him punish. So, you know, it, I don't. I know how he explains it. I know what it, what it looks like from the explanation of it. Not what it looks like in reality, but I know what it looks like from the explanation of it. And I'm going. I don't want to even go near a place like that. It, just go to go to Luke chapter 16, and look at the parable of the, the of the rich man and Lazarus. Just go look at it. Go read it, and see what it flies. In fact, go over there. You know, because I want you guys. I want you guys to. Uh, Luke chapter 16. But always, I wonder about how it's one drop. Well, pretty, pretty, pretty significant when that's all he's asking for. Yeah. You know, look at look at this. Look at listen, just if you don't have listen to listen to this story, okay? And there are people that say that this is a real story, that this is real, because it's the only time he ever used names. He didn't use names before in any of his parables. This is the first time he did that. The only time he did that. So there are people that say maybe this is real. And I'm gonna look at what he says. Verse verse 19 of Luke chapter 16. Listen to this. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked the sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family. For I have five brothers. Let them warn them, so that they will not come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Okay? If this is a real story, 
if it's real, and it was written 2,000 years ago, where's the rich man? Still there. Literally. Still there, still begging for a drop of water on his on just a tip on the tip of his tongue. If it's real, my thing to you is it's real. I believe it. I believe it's real. And if and I believe if this is not real, then it's playing out in reality as we speak right now. Okay? So now how important is my salvation? The alternative stinks. I want to go to where I know God is. I want to go to where I know that Jesus is. I want to go to that place of reward. That's what I live my life for. That's what we should live our lives for, should, isn't it? Isn't that what we should live our lives for? Should we not be convinced? Not necessarily, but I just I am overwhelmed with a sense of responsibility for myself and my family to take myself and take as many people with me as I can. Now I want you to look at the next verse. Go back to First Peter and look at the next verse. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke to the, of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were... Well, I'm going to stop right there for just a second. What did it say? Your salvation was so important that the people that talked about it thousands of years before longed to understand what you have. What you and I take for granted sometimes, what people in the world are taking for granted as we speak. There are people right now that have decided I'm going to do something else than do what I'm supposed to do with God's people on, a, on the first day of the week. I'm going to go do something else. Had a choice, had an option, said I'm not going to go do that, I'm going to go do this. Take for granted the salvation of their souls. Something that the prophets, name me a prophet who, who you think Cert would have searched intently with the greatest care, trying to figure it out for himself. Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Something he wrote. He wrote. He wrote in chapter thirty-one. He wrote about the the uh, the new covenant that was coming, where a covenant where there would be no more blood washing. There would be one time, and it would be now. There would be a not only a forgiveness, but a no longer remembrance of sin, because in their covenant there was a remembrance every time they sinned. They had to, they had to go repeat the sacrificial system. Somebody else. What about Isaiah? Isaiah chapter fifty-three. So Isaiah fifty-three. That's a that's a that's a image, an image of the crucified Savior. You think he understood what he was writing? This text tells me no. Tell me have any clue? He he recognized there's something going on here, and I want to know. What about David? David writes Psalm twenty-two. <clears throat> says, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" That's how it starts. Verse one. And in the midst, down at the end of the, of the text, it says, and they cast lots for my clothing. Not a bone of my body was broken. Does that sound familiar to you? Does it? Yeah. David longed to understand what he was writing. He didn't know. He didn't have a clue what he was writing about. That's what it says right here. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, searched intently with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. They long to know what you have. They, they wanted to know. And then we take it so flippantly and so for granted, we look at it and say, oh, well, I'll, I'll, just, I'll, I'll start praying tomorrow. I'll start reading God's Word tomorrow. What? When these guys would have given any, they gave their lives to have what you have. And then look at what he says. He said, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. Okay? 
It revealed to them that they weren't serving themselves. They were serving you. You and me and you. They were serving us. Not themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that now have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven. And look at the last line. What does it say? Even angels long to look at these things. So what do I know from that one verse and other verses that talk about angels and the you know there's there's whole programs. Discover Channel put out a whole bunch of programs about angels and and it and it was all garbage. It was garbage. Because they didn't go to the basic tenets of the book to see what the book said about what how angels are. You know, Hebrews chapter 11, I mean chapter, yeah, no, chapter 1 and verse 11, 12, 14, something like that, says that angels are ministering spirits sent to minister to those who will do what? Inherit eternal life. And what does this say? Even angels long to look at what you have. They want to know the grace that you have. They don't understand the grace that you have. Because it wasn't given to them. It was given to us. And we take this for granted? Are you kidding? You're kidding. We take this for granted. You know, every opportunity, every opportunity to stand on the grace of God and stand on this salvation and say, thank you, God, and glorify Him should be taken advantage of every single time. Every time. What's going to happen in our lives when we don't? What happens when we don't? Drift away. We'll drift away. We can drift away. What else? We give Satan an opportunity, right? So what do I do about this salvation? How do I make it more important to me? How do I make it as important to, as this seems to, it needs to be? How do I make it more important? How do I do that? Hmm? Stay in the work. That's why it's so important that you strive to have the Holy Spirit live in Okay. Because the Holy Spirit lives in you. Satan can't get in. Mm -hmm. And me uh, won't try no, but I I had a long discussion with a couple of guys once about that. And uh, they were in and out, drifting around. And I told them, I promise you, if you ever feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, you'll never want to be without it. There's that peace and comfort that you can only get there. And I had about a year later, one of them come to me and say, you know what? I see what you were talking about. Most people don't have a clue what you're talking about. Sadly, most people in the church don't have a clue what you're talking about. Okay? They don't. They don't understand that that uh, that connection to God that, that you can feel, that you know it's there because you can feel it. There, there are people in this room who are going, I wish I knew what he's talking about because I don't have a clue what he's talking about. I don't understand this. You know, and I can tell you that, that God tells us if, if we, and it's something we did Friday night, that, you know, just go read Proverbs chapter 2 sometime, about the first 10 verses. Just go read it for yourself. It says, if you look for if you look for understanding, if you look for wisdom, the way God tells you to, he said, I'll make sure you find it. If you haven't found it, it's because you haven't looked for it the right way. You know what I mean? If you've, got a, if you've lost your set of car keys, what are you going to do? You're going to look for them. You're look for them. How, how intently are you going to look for them? Have you anybody ever lost their car keys? Yes. That's what I have. <laughs> yeah. That's what I have. With, a, with a whole set of keys on them, you for all kinds of other stuff? You have four sets. Yes. Yeah, four sets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And how and and what was the what was the feeling like when you lost your car keys and couldn't find them and didn't know where they were? What was the feeling like? Oh, panic. 
Panic. It was called panic. It's right. What? Why was? Why were you in a panic? Could be late to work or something. Could be late for work. Oh, how many? How many drive cars that are that are 2016 or newer? 2017 that are newer. You know what happens if you lose your car keys? You know what's going to happen if you lose them? And you have to go get your key replaced. You know what's going to happen? It's going to cost you anywhere from 400 up. Yeah. To buy the key with the chip and then get the chip program to your car. And if you drive a car like a Volkswagen, I had this happen to, to a person I know, you have to haul it to Corpus. It won't drive to Corpus. You've got to haul it to Corpus for them to, for them to do it in Corpus. Don't lose keys. Yeah. Don't, buy, don't buy a Volkswagen, don't lose your key. The, the, point, the point is, is that, is that they, they, it's a, there's a lot of extenuating things that happen if you just lose your key. So how important would it be if you lost your key, you had to go into a panic, you look everywhere you've been, and then you, the place you didn't, didn't look is a place you forgot you were at. And that's where they are. And you go into a panic. Well, if you don't have salvation, why isn't there a panic? If you're, if you're on the verge of losing your salvation or lo walking away from it, drifting away, why isn't there a panic in our life? Because you know what, Dan? I'm not worried today about losing my keys. I, I worry about it when I've lost my keys. There you go. And when, if God showed up at my front doorstep and said, you know what? Your salvation is lost. I'd be in a, in a panic. 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 <laughs> well, I'm here to tell you this morning, my job is to tell you that for some, Maybe not in this room, maybe not even here today, but some somewhere. Maybe they're listening to me on, online. Somebody is drifting away today. Somebody's drifting. And they're in danger of losing their soul, and they're different, in danger of walking away from God. Okay? Now, you, we can have that debate all day long, and I will sit down and debate with you whether once you're saved, you're always saved. I, I'll have that debate with you. You will not like the outcome. Okay? Yeah. I, there's a video clip going around right now of a church up in Fort Worth. And uh, if I was attending that church right now, I would be panicking. Because they have, they, they've gone so far off into... Yeah. Uh, into I haven't seen it, but I've heard, I've heard about this. And uh, that's why we should be in our congregations. This stuff's serious. Yeah. It's very serious. Absolutely. And people treat it flippantly. Yeah. You know, earlier we were talking about grace. You know, if you, if you, I think the perfect deal, and I always go back to it, is the third chapter of Revelations mm -hmm. to Sardis. Yeah. And they all think that they're saved. Yeah. That grace is cheap. Mm -hmm. Grace is cheap. Everybody just gets grace. Yeah. And he tells them, your deeds don't show that. No. Yep. And then he says, "Wake up," which is what we're talking about right now. Wake up! It's urgent. And you look at the at the at the letter to the Ephesians, and it says you've lost your first love. Yeah. You've walked away from your first love. First love is my my love for God and His people, and my love for for the lost. You know, I've lost that. Have we lost that? Have Have you lost that in your life? You're looking at it and saying, "I don't know where it went to because I let it slip away from me." You know. This genuineness of faith, it says in Romans chapter 10, I believe, it says, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You stay in the book. You stay connected to God's people. And you and you stay connected to people who will tell you what you do not want to hear. Let them tell you what you don't want to hear. And then listen to them. Because I'm telling you, you know, losing our soul, 
losing our salvation. Even angels long to understand what you have. It's really important, God. We're going to pick it up here next week. We'll see you next week. I agree with